0: Invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Psalms, chapter one hundred, Psalm one hundred today. So we're looking to God's Word. As uh, most of you know and have heard, that uh, every other Thursday uh, morning, uh, been we've been invited to go and have a Bible study over at Broadwell Senior Living in Plymouth, and that's where Marty Nelson, uh, uh, where she lives now. And uh, so every other week we go there. And so the last time we were there, which is before Thanksgiving. As we met around, there was uh, about nine of us all together around that, that table for the Bible study. And uh, we went around the, the tables and just asking everyone what they're thankful for. And many of these folks, they were very thankful, especially for their grandchildren. Okay, many we kind of can relate to that for sure. What a blessing that is. But uh, one thing I shared, and Marty shared the same thing. Her and I shared the same thing. And she said, we are thankful for our church family and so uh, what a tremendous blessing we'll be back this Thursday there with them pray for that ministry that the Lord would just uh, open up many doors and hearts there uh, for the needs there's a great need uh, in these these places as well for the gospel presented so praise God for that opportunity Uh, again invite you to open your Bible to Psalm chapter 100 Psalm 100 once you find your place there invite you to stand for the reading of God's word and uh, if you're able to Psalm 100 familiar passage of scripture One that is appropriate at this time of year, especially as we think about Thanksgiving. Psalm 100, the Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he, he is God, it is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's have a word of prayer. Of course, when we think about Thanksgiving, and again, I pray that you had a, a very enjoyable time, a blessed time with your family. And, and I pray you took time as a family, or at least by yourself, to simply stop and thank God. Of course, we think, uh, at least in American history, when we think of uh, Thanksgiving, or the first Thanksgiving, what do we think of Usually? We think of the pilgrims, right, who came here, and, uh, and indeed, during times of hardships, uh, did give thanks to the Lord. They did have a feast, and we think of people like Squanto and other people, for example. But can you imagine, 400 years or more now, that what song do you think they sung around that table, that first American Thanksgiving, if you will? And uh, we don't know exactly what that could have been, but there's probably one song most likely they did sing. And it was a song, in fact, it's familiar to many believers today, maybe you even grew up singing it, and it's basically entitled, The Old 100th. Anyone ever remember that? The Old 100th. And it's referring to this, Psalm 100. And so this was written by William Keith back in the, the, the 1500s. In fact, he was one of the translators of the Geneva Bible. It goes back that far. And he had written uh, basically a psalter, a psalm. He wrote many psalms, actually, psalters. But he wrote one in particular called the Old 100th. And uh, it's based off of this passage, and you'll recognize it immediately once I start singing it. All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with fear, His praise forth tell. Come he before him and rejoice. How many know that tune now? Okay, that's, that. that's the old 100th. But anyways, that's the, the, the way it's been sung in maybe a lot of more liturgical type churches. They sing it that way. All people that on earth do dwell. Sing to the Lord with a cheerful voice. And that's basically Psalm 100 verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all he lands. So this is a very familiar passage. This is probably one of the first psalms probably other than psalm 23 that i remember memorizing when i was even a child and this psalm has uh, been on my mind uh, much this this thanksgiving season and i i do rejoice in our great god and so the title of today's message is simply a thankful people a thankful people As we look at what it means to be a thankful people, we look at this passage and we should rejoice in our great and wonderful God of who he is and what he has done for us. We sang that song, my tribute, to God be the glory. We sing that. We should sing that from our hearts. Glory to his name. God is so good. As we recognize these good things, we should, as we sang at the very beginning, give thanks with a grateful heart. All these things should point our direction to God from whom all blessings flow. In today's message, we're going to look at really three main points of this passage here. We're going to talk about thankful people are a joyful people before God. We also know that thankful people are submissive to God, and thankful people praise our God. Very simple. And I pray that you would find yourself as a thankful person but I think this psalm here, and as we're going to see in just a moment, is more than just a thankful person, it's a thankful people. And I'm going to talk about in the realm of our church family today. I pray that we are a thankful church for what God has so graciously done for us because of who He is. And I want us to, to direct, I want us, our hearts to be uh, just enthralled with who our God is. I think, as A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing about someone is what they think about God. What you understand about God is so important in this life. So as we look at this passage here, we look here again in verse 1, familiar passage, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. What does that mean? Make a joyful noise. Now, we always kid someone when they have a heart, you know, someone says, well, I can't sing too well. I just try to make a joyful noise. I don't know if that's exactly what this passage is talking about, but praise God, give your A for effort, right? So, but what does it mean to make a joyful noise? Okay, and so... Uh, the word uh, noise here has a really idea of a shout. And uh, having an idea of this, this, first of all, uh, let me just kind of back up a little bit. In, in your Bible, hopefully you have this here, right before uh, the verse, verse 1 in our Bibles, it says here, a psalm of praise or a psalm of thanksgiving. By the way, in, in the Hebrew Bible, that's, that is the first verse. When you say that, it is a psalm of thanksgiving, okay, a psalm of praise, and so this is very appropriate. And why is that? Because probably more so in verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving, be thankful unto him, has that theme. But we talk about here something very triumphant. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the lands. So what does what does this part mean? To make a joyful noise. Again, the noise here is like a shout. This is what Charles Spurgeon wrote about it. He said the original word here for noise or shout signifies a glad shout, such as a loyal subject when. They give when their king appears unto them. Our happy God should be worshipped by a happy people. I love that quote. Our happy God should be worshipped by a happy people. A cheerful spirit is in keeping with his nature, his acts, and the gratitude which we should cherish for his mercies. As we think about this, uh, think of this. When your favorite hero comes through, when you think of the king or queen of England, for example, everyone shouts and cheers when you get that first glance. Well, we lived down in Tennessee uh, in Chattanooga area. We, uh, there was um, just up about two, uh, two hours north of us a little place called Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg. Has anyone ever been there before? Anyone want to go there? All right. You should. Okay. It's a, it's a wonderful place. Uh, it's a nice little getaway. It's kind of like the Brainerd Lakes area for us. You know, it's a place to get away. Or it's, actually, it's more so like a Branson, if you will. But nonetheless, I digress. Okay. But there's a place there called Dollywood. Anyone ever been to Dollywood? Can you imagine who who was the one who created that? Dolly Parton. Okay. (laughs) No secrets there. But every once in a while through the year, she does a little parade. She herself will come there as the CEO, and she'll do a little parade. And, of course, here is Dolly Parton coming down the little roadway there. And everyone lines the streets and stops. And whenever they see Dolly, they stop and cheer. Okay? Not as grand as the king and queen of England, but for Tennessee it works. Okay? All right. But you can imagine this, when we line up and we come together, what, what should our expectations be? I pray as we in those crowds that look for the king and queen, or even Dolly Parton for that matter, or when the Minnesota Vikings come, and they, I can't believe they won this week, you know, we're all surprised, okay? But nonetheless, what do we do? We crane our necks to get a glimpse of our hero. And I think this is the image that we have in mind is that when we come into the presence of God as a thankful people that we, in a sense, crane our necks and give a shout and give a joyful noise, so to speak, a joyful shout, yes, the king is coming. People get so excited for the kings and queens and the celebrities of this world, but that's nothing to be compared to the king of kings and lord of lords. That should be our heart and our attention. I like what Spurgeon said again. Our happy God should be worshipped by a happy people. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. I hate to say it, there's so many churches, so many believers, that when they come to make a noise, I don't find much joy in it at all. Maybe they don't either. You know, kind of, I, I think this way, we, and we talked about this recently, our worship many times is we just go through the motions. We go through the motions of, okay, we're supposed to be in church, we're supposed to pray, we're supposed to read our Bible. You know, we do our Christian thing, and we do it mostly on Sunday. But you know what, when we talk about especially Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving should be an expression of our heart every day of the week, every day of the year. This should be with us continually, and because of that, that should give us joy. That no matter what is going on in our lives, the circumstances around it, even when your world is falling apart, folks... We should always have a heart of joy because that's placed there because of our relationship with the king. This is a royal psalm. In fact, from Psalm 93 to Psalm 100, this group here, most of the psalms, are viewed as a royal psalms to see our mighty and wonderful king, our God. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. That's from Psalm 27. As we think about it, what a wonderful, great God that we serve. As we think about that, the next part of this verse is make a joyful noise unto the Lord. By the way, this, this is Yahweh. This is the covenant name of God, by the way, that we read here, okay? As we think about this, make a joyful noi- noise unto the Lord, all he lands. What is the, this talking about here? This is something we kind of simply gloss over, but when you take time, pause and look at that, what does it mean, all he lands? all the lands literally means all the earth, okay? In other words, this is a call. Verse 1 here is a call for not just the Jewish people. Remember, this, song, these, this was the, the Jewish songbook for the temple, for the tabernacle. This was the, the songbook for the people of Israel. But this message here is not just for the Jews only, but for all the world, That's amazing. It's global in scope. All the earth, all the lands should come and make this joyful noise to the king. They should shout praises to him. They are a joyful people. This is a call for all the world to worship the sovereign Lord. That's what this is about. Okay. Verse 2, we move on. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. To Serve the Lord with gladness. I like what uh, Derek Kidner said about this. That there is no gap between wor- worship and work. In practice, praise and prayer go stale in isolation. In activity, they go sterile. What do you mean by this? A lot of times, in our Western mindset, American mindset, so many times we, we differentiate. There's, we do our work, and then Sunday, if you want to, that's our culture day, if you want to, you can have your worship. But the idea is this for a believer, a child of God, it blends together. We are spiritual creatures, folks. You cannot separate that. And when you do, when you attempt to do that, when there is a gap between your worship and your work, in your practice and in your praise or prayer, eventually you become isolated and everything goes sterile. It's not effective. I don't don't find very successful Christians, happy Christians for that matter, who basically decide to, you know what, I'll worship God when I want to on Sunday, and they don't do anything about the rest of the week. This is important for us, folks, that we should be a joyful people, and this is happening every day of the week, not just on Sunday morning. This is what we need. This should be a part of us, folks. This should be a part of our attitudes, our mindset, our daily life. A dear friend of mine, uh, went to college with, actually, he kind of it's interesting. He posted this yesterday. It's like, man, I'm studying for this, and I see he posted something about it, so I'm going to use Andy Rupert. He's a buddy of mine. He said this, Serving the Lord with gladness is the only way that this properly works, worship and work. So if we are trying to serve the Lord without joy, it will become a tedious activity. Ever try to do that? Let me just put it this way. Ever have a job that, man, you really don't enjoy working there, but you got to do the work? Isn't it harder to do the work? And what is it? It's not so much what the boss or your coworkers are telling you. It's what's in your mind and heart that's affecting. It's an attitude issue. This is all about attitude. And this becomes a tedious work when we serve the Lord without joy. Wow. This is something that we need, even myself, I need to keep in, cont- in touch with this. But he, Andy goes on to say this, but if we try to find joy apart from serving the Lord, we will find emptiness. Ever met a Christian who says, man, I'm so happy, Lord? Well, there's places to serve. You want to serve them? No, I, I'm okay just where I'm at in my little corner. You know what? That becomes empty. You're, you're not working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, so to speak, okay? So this is important. By God's design, we must mingle joyfulness and action to truly serve the Lord. You want to be a happy people? It's one that serves the Lord with gladness. This is a characteristic of the people of God, that we serve the Lord with gladness and then come before his presence with singing. And what does this mean, a presence with with singing here, is this. This is a vibrant expression of thanksgiving and praise. By the way, you probably asked the question, well, why do we sing in church? Why do we sing? Have you ever thought about that? Why do we sing in church? Why do we take up a good portion of our time just to sing some of our favorite hymns and songs and praises to God? Why do we do that? Because it's an expression of what God has done. It's an expression of a thankful people. That's what this is all about. I said, man, I don't think, feel very thankful for you know, today. You know what? It's an attitude. Be thankful. When you really stop and look at what God has done and who he is, we will be more of a thankful people. Okay. By the way, let me just say this as well, just kind of adding to this, that usually when, when churches talk about worship, what does that usually mean? What do, they, what do they mean by that when they think about worship? You're thinking usually of the music and pretty much just that. Is not our prayer praise to God, a worship to God? Is not our giving, giving, to, giving worship to God, preaching and hearing the word of God being preached and taught and being received, is not that worship of God? Absolutely. Absolutely responding to what God has done in our lives. Every part of the service is worship. This is a worship service. It's not compartmentalized. The whole thing is worship. And our goal here at Victory Baptist Church is that our attention goes to the Lord himself, that he would receive all praise and honor due to his glorious name. This should be our heart. And so coming before his presence with singing is a vibrant expression of thanksgiving and praise. I pray when we sing, and we're going to sing at, towards the end here, we're going to sing, and I pray that you would sing from your heart what God has graciously done in your own life, that you will see who God really is. But we see here that the thankful people are joyful before God, but we also see that they are submissive to God. Verse 3 says this, Know ye that the Lord, he is God? It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Again, these are familiar verses to us. But what does it mean here? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. To know God here, this is important. To know God has the idea of to acknowledge him and more so to experience him is the idea. There's a lot of people who know about God, but they really don't know him. You can, we talked about Dolly Parton, for example, earlier. Um, There's a lot of things that people know about Dolly Parton. Okay, let me give you a little tidbit about Dolly. one thing that is interesting this isn 't to praise Dolly part, but a little interesting thing about her. Uh, back in the ni- 1970, there was uh, our um, hemophilia foundation, of course, many of you know our son Ben has hemophilia we 're part of our foundation there in Tennessee. Um, I served as a board member there, and uh, anyway, so we had a foundation that helped pretty much anyone from Tennessee in that area that was receiving care and their families just giving them assistance and support, things like that. Well, actually in 1970, it was Dolly Parton and Cole Porter that helped in organizing our hemophilia foundation. They later dropped off, but they had a heart to serve one another. Anyways, that's just one thing you know about Dolly Parton. There's a lot of people who know about Dolly Parton, but can you say you actually know her? I mean, do you have her cell number, email address? No. No. Okay, it's a different type of relationship. Same thing with God. People who say, hey, we know a lot about God. Yeah, God lives in heaven, or they can say this or that. and Maybe quote a few Bible verses to you. But do they really know God of heaven? And I'm going to ask you this. Do you know the God of heaven? Do you know him personally? Do you love him? Do you serve him? Do you thank him? That's in, that's, what does that imply? Relationship. To know God is to to have a relationship with him. I trust you today. I trust today that you are saved. You are born again. That you have trusted Jesus as your Savior. Your life has been forever changed by that. I pray if if you've never done that, please, please, before you leave today, come to me. Come to someone here. We'd be glad to show you from God's word how you can be wondrously saved and know God personally. But to know God here is not just to acknowledge and experience him, but this is really to know God is the foundation of praise and the foundation of thanksgiving to know god is to basically be the, have the foundation of praise it says here it is he that hath made us as we see here that this here we when we think about this we think about creation and indeed god is our creator we did not in a sense make ourselves God is the creator. He's the masterful and wise designer who created us in this whole universe. But I think there's even more to this than that. Is that the idea of being made is that God made a special people unto himself, didn't he? He chose Israel not because they were the greatest nation or the most powerful nation. He chose them according to Deuteronomy because he loved them. He made them his own special treasure, a possession for his own. And he did that. So this implies a deep relationship that we, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Back um, a few months ago now, we went through the seven I am statements of Christ in John. In John chapter 10 especially, one of the interesting things we see here that Jesus is the door of the sheepfold. And that Jesus is the good shepherd, the true shepherd. And we that that, what is the flock there? What is the sheep there? That's regarding Israel. And that Israel, for a long time, they had false shepherds or shepherds that ignored them or abandoned the flock. That was talking about their leaders. And Jesus says here, I am the good shepherd. I'm the one who gives his life for the sheep. This is the relationship that God has with his people. And I would say, even for us today, as his children today, we have that relationship with him. We are the people and the sheep of his passion. In other words, we belong to God. In other words, that Jesus is the true shepherd. Who gave his life for the sheep. He knows us. He knows each one by name. His sheep hear his voice and he knows them. He will not abandon him. He cares for us and he gives us abundant life. That we can go in and out and find pasture. He gives us abundant life and praise God for his rich blessings. But in that, what's the key to a thankful people? Is That we would be submissive to God. That we would understand our relationship with him. That he is the great shepherd. He is the great I am, and we must humbly come before Him and acknowledge that. To know God, to experience Him, and to know God is having the foundation of praise. So here's the point, and I want you to understand this. When you're reading the Bible, especially in the book of Psalms, I want you to stop and ask this question. What does God want us to know about Himself? Stop and ask that. Don't read it in the Bible just for reading the Bible. I mean, read it, but stop and ask this question. And even this passage, what does God want us to know about himself? As we think about this, know ye that the Lord, he is God. Experience God. He is God. He's our shepherd. We know that. Okay? We're going to see many other things here in just a moment. But this really is a time of praise. This is the foundation of praise. The old 100th song we sang earlier, and you probably know it a little bit better in a different way. In fact, it's the last verse of the old 100th. Praise God from whom all blessings flow." We have much to praise God about that. He is our God. He is our King. He is our Lord. And from Him come all blessings abundantly. And I invite you to sing with me the doxology now. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I think you know this by heart. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Why not? Okay? Praise God for that. As we think about this, our thankful people are joyful before God. They're submissive to their God. Understand your place. And also, a thankful people praise their God. Verses 4 and 5 said this, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth through all generations. As we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, this is again a call, not just to Israel, but to the nations, to the whole world, to come and to bow before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And this is, as we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, think of it as you would enter into the temple, back in the time of Solomon, for example, the time of David. As we think about this, this is a public and corporate uh, thanksgiving. Again, all the lands, this is the idea. And so this is the idea of, of this. As we come into his gates with thanksgiving, as you would come into the temple, what was the big reason you would come to the temple? You worship God by what? Giving offerings, sacrifices. That's how the Levitical system worked. And this really recalls to us what was known as the Todah offerings. Toda in Hebrew simply means thank you. Okay? As we thank you, enter in his gates with thanksgiving, with Todah, with thanksgiving. In the book of Leviticus chapter 7, we read about the peace offerings or thanksgiving offerings and this comes from the hebrew word todah which in hebrew today you talk to an israeli today you say todah means thank you these were the offerings given but this term simply goes be it goes beyond simply meaning thanks it means to acknowledge or praise the worshiper would invite friends and family to celebrate what god has done let's say you had the birth of a child or maybe you you got a new or god had blessed you with abundant crop or something great had happened in your life, or maybe healed you from sickness, you would go voluntarily. This wasn't required. This wasn't like the burnt or sin offerings. You would go and you would come to the temple with your thanksgiving offering just to say, God, thank you for healing me. Thank you for your abundant blessings. Whatever it may be, you would go and you would gather your friends and family to come and celebrate you at the temple, what God has done. If a person asks God for something, Part of his response, when God would answer the prayer, including vowing, to, or basing a vow to God. In other words, God answered my prayer, and I'm fulfilling my vow, is what he was having. I would say, God, I will give you thanks. And so in Israel, when the Jewish person would then take the animal, and they would kill, they would roast it upon the altar. This is what happened at the Thanksgiving offering. The worshiper would then tell those around him what God has done. Maybe if you were deep frying a turkey, you were doing the same thing this week. I don't know. But nonetheless, when the worshiper, they would tell things, this is what God has done. And then when the meat had cooked on the altar, everybody ate of the feast in celebration what God has done. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. By the way, even the priests ate of that Thanksgiving offering. In other words, their act in eating that represented God's participation in other words, you can be think, there's a lot of people who say, "I give thanks for this, I give thanks for that." But true thanksgiving comes because of the goodness of God. You know what I like about this as, as well? Well, The command in Leviticus, by the way, was this: when, the, when everyone had consumed the Thanksgiving offering from the altar, the man, the priest, uh, the friends, family that was around him, guess what? The Bible says there was to be no leftovers. OK? So hopefully you had good Thanksgiving and you had no leftovers, okay? Or I'll give you two today to finish them up, okay? But nonetheless, we get it. I think that's amazing. They ate it all. No leftovers. It's a time to give thanks to God. That's what it means to enter his gates for Thanksgiving and then into his courts with praise. I like what G. Campbell Morgan said. It is as though the gates of the city, the courts of the sanctuary, were suddenly thrown open, and all the lands, all the people, were called to serve Jehovah, to know that he is God, and then to enter into relationship with him. This is the idea when it says, enter in his gates for thanksgiving, in his courts of praise. It has the idea of basically being ushered into the presence of God, to be accepted by him because of who he is and what he has done. Where it then says, it says, be thankful unto him and bless his name, there in verse 2. To bless God, what does it mean to bless God? Have you ever thought about that? We know God blesses us, and, he, and God gives us his favor. He gives us his strength. But when we bless God, we can't give him any more favor. We can't give him any more strength. I mean, he's almighty. What does it mean for us to bless God, then? Have you ever thought about that? Scratch your head for a moment and think. Hmm, okay, what does it mean? Basically, to bless God, as one author said, is an expression of praising, or praising thankfulness. It's an expression of praising thankfulness. When you bless God, say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. You are a mighty God. Thank you for interviewing. Thank you for being there, God. I know in this year in particular, I see many in this room here today, that you went through some tough stuff this year. And you, But at the same time, I've heard from many who said, you know what? God was with me. He helped us. He provided a need. He did so many things. And, I, and I've heard from many of you from your lips, praise God for being there. Isn't that amazing? Just a moment ago, we, we took uh, our, our Thanksgiving to the Lord as a congregation giving thanks. And I know many of you, you're expressing your heart of gratitude and joy for what God has done. And in that, what have you done? You have blessed the name of the Lord in doing that. Continue that. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. I like what Charles Spurgeon said this. A thankful people will bless the Lord. He said, let the praise on our tongue be also in our hearts. Someone might give lip service. I'm thankful for that, but it really comes from the heart. Why do we thank God? Because of who he is, verse 3, and then also in verses 4 and 5, because of what he has done. For the Lord is good, verse 5. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. For the Lord is good. Remind in Psalm 34, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God only does good. We think about that. His mercy is everlasting. Going on to Spurgeon again. By the way, this is from the Treasury of David. If you get that, it's a great source to have. Spurgeon said this, So long as we are receivers of mercy, we must be givers of thanks. As long as God gives and gives and gives of his goodness and mercy to you, may you in turn give thanks to him for what he has done. May we should have that on our hearts and on our lips. And then it says at the very end, his truth endureth to all generations. What, what is His truth here? The word truth actually in Hebrew comes from a word, uh, actually it's rooted in the word amen, believe it or not. And what does that mean? Have you ever thought, when we say at the end of a prayer, you say amen or amen, however you prefer, but what does that mean? Have you ever thought about that? We think it would be like, so be it or something. But actually, in Hebrew, it's actually a Hebrew acrostic. And it means, al-melech ne'oman. Which means, al is literally upped or giving. And then, uh, melech means to our king. Ne'oman is trustworthy. So when you say amen, you're so, simply saying this, I'm giving this to God, our trustworthy king. This is talking about his faithfulness. When he says, his truth endureth through all generations, is talking about his faithfulness. As we think about that, God is our trustworthy king. And this God, here's the point, as it endureth to all generations, our God can be trusted. He is faithful from generation to generation. It will not end. This is something we can depend on, something we can lean on. His truth endureth to all generations. Well, I have good news for you. We began at the very beginning. It was a call to all the nations to come before him and bow. But I got a question for you. Is that what's going on in our world right now? Have all nations come before Him and bowed before Him, giving Him thanks and shouts of joy? I'll be honest with you, the children of Israel had a hard time doing that, even when the temple was up. But nonetheless, God, there's a blessing at the very end of this. Because one day, all the lands, all the earth, will make a joyful noise to the Lord. One day, the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible tells us in Revelation... Chapter 7, that the scene in heaven will be one of praise. It says, concerning the heavenly host and the the council that's there, they said, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And so today, we offer praise to God as a thankful people, a thankful church that had been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You see, the sacrifice of thanksgiving... I believe, as we give our voices to the Lord today, is a natural outflow of the Christian life. It springs up, though, from a right relationship with Christ, with God. Here's the point. I like what Warner Oswee says, that a thankful people are a triumphant people. A thankful people are a triumphant people. And when we look at this passage here, this should thrill us, really, this, this idea that we have here, make a joyful noise all, la- all lands. It should, first of all, press upon our hearts that all the lands, all the people, all the earth... Even the Jewish people have not given full praise to our God. But you know what? There's hope. One day they will. Until that happens, let us joyfully shout the name of the Lord to others. Be thankful unto him. And be joyful, be submissive, and praise our great and wonderful God. How great our God is. Amen. I pray this has touched your heart as it has mine. Encouraged us to follow the Lord. He is a faithful God. From generation to generation, he'll be faithful. He's not going to abandon us. He'll be with you each step of the way. I challenge you as a church. Now I'm going to have Woody come up in a moment. We're going to have a word of prayer, and uh, during our offering, or me, our invitation time. Uh, again, the Lord has spoken in your heart. I want God to work in your life. If you're here without Jesus Christ, you don't know for sure if you would die today where are you? you would spend eternity. God's word gives us an answer through His Son Jesus Christ. God is faithful. He has given us that promise and that hope in Jesus Christ. But here today as a Christian, I pray that today you would have that heart full of gratitude and love for who our God is. I'm going to have a word of prayer and then I'm going to have Woody come and I want us to sing a song together, How Great Thou Art. Let's sing. Let's pray right now. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for what you've done for us. Again, a God, a mighty God, we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. Lord, I pray we would be submissive to you, that we'd be joyful before you and praise you always. So, Lord, I pray you work in our hearts. Again, I pray if there's someone here or someone watching today that is not sure of their salvation and knowing you personally, Father, maybe they simply know about you, but they really don't know you, Father, convict them of that sin, bring them to yourself. For the believer here, encourage us, I pray, to walk with you, to live for you, and to, Lord, be faithful as you've been faithful to us. So, Lord, I just challenge you, again, receive our thanks, receive our praise. We ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. I invite you to stand with me as we sing a, another hymn of praise to our God. I don't think you can get much better than "How Great Thou Art."
1: Amen. Number four in your hymnal, "How Great Thou Art."